and welcome to yet another episode of Talking Bollocks, your favourite podcast. Um, my name is Howard H. Smith. I am lead singer of Acid Rain. I does this here podcast. Um, I also do stand-up comedy as the character Keith Platt. But do you know what? Not doing any of that at the moment because of, yeah, you guessed it. Same reason you're not doing what you normally do. But hey, there you go. Um, there is a live link in the description of this podcast. It says support this podcast. If you click that, you can go to Patreon, sign up for $5 a month and get shed loads of extra content. You get to uh, ask you get to ask questions in interviews of people that you've always wanted to meet, always wanted to ask a question of. Um, we do a live um, kind of podcast on Zoom once a month. There's all sorts of bits and pieces going on. Seriously, it's got to be worth it. So sign up if you like. Anyway, there you go. That is the intro that I have been doing for seven years. I know. I know. Podcast started on, in January 2014. was the very first podcast. And here we are, January 2021. Who would have thought that um, I'd still be doing it and that you wouldn't have all fucked off and left me by now? <laughs> so thanks for not doing that. Um, but yeah, it is It is just kind of bizarre, really. Um, but yeah, time passes and all the rest of it. I will be, as I always do in January, I will be going through my top, top five releases of 2020. Um, but before I be doing that... What's been happening in the world of metal since we last spoke? Well, let's have a look, shall we? There's been all sorts of like stuff going on. Um, Corey Taylor, his New Year's relation, uh, uh, his New Year's resolution is to give up sugar. Now, the reason why I say that is that is how desperate we are for news in the metal community at the moment. That that actually stands up as genuine news. Corey Taylor's New Year's resolution is to give up sugar. Unfortunately, it's not to give up stone sour. Please, Corey, do that. Uh, but yeah, we, we would appear to be pretty bloody desperate. Well, to be fair, the main man of Iced Earth um, being involved in the invasion of the capital of the US, was, um, that's, that's made some pretty... Uh, that, that's, that's kept the, the new cycle busy. Um, uh, George Lynch has retired the name Lynch Mob as he got tired of explaining it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm not surprised. Fair enough. Just telling people your surname is Lynch. Um, well, yeah, telling telling a bunch of black folk that uh, your band's called Lynch Mob because your surname is Lynch. Um, I don't know. Might get you lynched. <laughs> you never know. Um, Sharon Osbourne is still very tired. Almost a month after testing positive for COVID. Really? Well, let's just hope Ozzy does not get the virus then. And let's hope all isolating was taken. Uh, it has been done properly. Um, I mean, I, you know, she's still very tired almost uh, a month after testing. I'm I'm pretty tired of Sharon myself, I've got to be honest. But she, I, I don't know, she's kind of like a necessary evil in the world of metal. Because I kind of she's she's sort of broken out, created a career for herself, and she's broken out into the mainstream. And it's you know, and and to be fair to her, you know, she's not known as Ozzy Osbourne's wife. She's known as Sharon Osbourne. Um, and to be fair, you know, uh, Jack Osbourne is pretty much known as Jack Osbourne as opposed to Ozzy Osbourne's son. They have all kind of gone out of their way to um, 
to forge their own careers. All of a sudden, this has become... This is all of a sudden now um, a, a breakdown of the, the Osborne family. Their careers and where they are now and where they're going to end up. It's not. But I, I think that's just the kind of thing that I'm likely to go uh, go off on a tangent about purely because there has been so little going on. Um, there's been so little going on. I'm going to, me- I'm going to mention Asking Alexandra. Uh, sorry, asking Alexandria. Guitarist Ben Bruce has, confer- has confirmed that um, the group's si- uh, sixth album... I hate it when when you say in the press, the group's sixth outing. It's not a fucking outing. It's an album, right? If you're going on an outing, right, that is, that, that is traditionally, yeah... That is your mum, your dad, your friends, whatever, saying, "Oh, let's should we should we? Uh, should, oh, we're going for an outing. Yes, let's go. Let's let's go to Scarborough. Let's go to the seaside. Let's spend a day shopping. Let's have a picnic. Let's do. Let's go on holiday. Let's have a weekend break. Let's go for a sail. Let's go for a walk. That's an outing. A fucking album is not an outing, is it? And then of course there's the other version of outing, which is outing somebody who is gay." And although I think outing is a little bit kind of, I don't know, it's uh, I, I'm genuinely confused by um, what I should say at this point, whether, given that I'm not gay myself, I've got to be very, very careful. I'm not sure if outing is still a thing. But one thing I do know is that if you went on a, you'd go for a school trip, a school outing. We didn't all go and fucking record an album, did we? Fuck's sake. The group sixth outing bollocks album. <laughs> tangent, fantastic, fantastic tangent. That um, there. Anyway, it's going to be called "Like a House on Fire." It's the album. Uh, it's the first album he and his bandmates have ever written sober. And I just got to thinking that it is amazing that you know more um, managers, agents don't do a better job of looking out for especially young bands and keeping an eye on their consumption of things that can get out of hand. Now, that's not to say that you can actually do anything about it. You know, uh, managers, agents uh, can be as concerned as they like, but anybody who knows anyone who's ever been an addict knows that it's impossible, really, to um, to do anything. And, and unless that person wants helping, you can't help them. And there you go. I've come full circle. I started with blame, with saying, with saying, why don't agents and um, um, management do do a better job of looking after people? I have then rationalised that. Well, it, they can't, can they? They can only do what they can do. You can't force somebody to get clean if they don't want to get clean or whatever it is. So there you go. I've started out with my original point completely and totally savaged my own point and realised I was talking utter shit. So there you go. Let's let's have a let's have a little bit sure for a little bit more of a chat from um, sober Ben. I didn't think I was going to have anything interesting to say. He said about not being under the influence during the writing of the LP. It's so stupid. It sounds ridiculous. But I kind of thought without it, I'd lost my superpowers. And I was really worried that I that I was going to go into the studio and not have anything to write about and not have any way to get anything out um, out that people might want listen to might want to listen to. I was really in a dark place for a very very long time. Now that, apart from writing in the studio, which is a terrible idea and very expensive, but I can completely understand where he's coming from. Because if you've had that crutch to lean on right from the very beginning of your career, when you take that crutch away, that you are just going to be racked with self-doubt and all sorts of neuroses. And I mean, the best bit of advice that I ever got from um, uh, in comedy was very early doors, and it was just... 
don't drink before you go on and if you drink up and if you drink when you come off just have a couple and leave the last thing you want to do is have too many piss off another comedian or piss off the or, or the promoter or the booker and that way it's going to damage your career in fact all of those can damage your career and it, it it's just such great advice because if you start out needing a drink to get on stage it's going to go well you know as ben has said this is what happens. This is where you're at. You end up thinking you can't perform without it. I, I mean, bizarrely, in stand-up, um, you get people saying, "Oh, do you have a do you have a drink before you go on?" You know, do you have a do you have, a, do you have, do you have a... no, no, and they go, "Oh, I would." I'd need one. It's like, well, yeah, but you're not a stand-up with the greatest of respect. You know, you're a butcher, so why would you? But the, the, the point straight away is, do you have a drink before you go on? No, do you have a drink before you go to work? Well, no, I don't, but that's different. No, it isn't. Not if being a stand-up comedian is your job. It's, well, it'd be a bit easier, but it, it's not. Because it, like any other job, you need to be sober to be able to do it to the best of your ability. It's as simple as that. The, you know, the, the, the few advantages you've got as a stand-up comedian over an audience, right, is a mic, 25 years experience, and you're sober. And invariably, whoever's shouting out in the crowd, even if they've got something funny to say, they've got one funny thing to say, and they've had time to think about it. And they'll invariably be drunk, and you can easily deal with them. But, uh, I've, well, there you go. There, there was a nice little bit about comedy in case you've, um, in case you were uh, actually expecting any metal chat on this. No, I've, I've decided to just do comedy this time. Right, let's move on. Fucking hell, Gene Simmons, really? Again, once again, he has claimed Rock is dead. Yes, Rock is dead, according to who? Gene Simmons. What a fucking knob. Will he never learn? Will he never learn? And, uh, and what makes me laugh is, how rock and roll is this? Kiss make lyrical changes for Dubai concert. Drops blood spitting stunt. So in other words, he says rock is dead and then takes the balls out of his own live show. I mean, it's a bit of a fucking cheek, isn't it? I mean, look, any band who plays Dubai, Dubai most bands are going to have to change things. Iron Maiden did it. And, I, and you know, I kind of, I kind of accept that. I mean, the other side of you is, well, look, you know, either either we play the whole show as we normally would or we don't play at all. But let's be honest, there's a lot of money in Dubai and there's not a lot of money in the music business. So a lot of people are having to go out there and basically change their, you know, change it to make it more suitable to the local culture. But for the main man, one of the main men in that band to also be claiming that rock is dead, you know, go fuck yourself, Gene. Yeah, everybody's favourite fucking... Toy gorilla, <laughs> badly drawn toy gorilla. That's what I um, I think that's what I called him all those years ago. Anyway, anyway, um, a lot of um, th there's been some some interesting um feedback on um Rob Halford displaying assless chaps on his Instagram. In other words, trousers with no ass. And um, and he put it up, and, um, and one of the people who reacted to it was um, Richie Faulkner, who posted a comment saying, "Bro, next tour, less is more." Then Rob Halford replied, "70 this year, bro. No fucks given, no fucks left." And I just think that is re it's really fucking funny. It's also great that that kind of that kind of exchange takes place in the metal community, and it's not considered a big deal. Nobody makes no one nobody makes a big deal of it. And speaking of which, I I am I've still 
barely got through any of Rob Halford's um, uh, book that's been provided to me um, as an audio book. I keep forgetting about it, to be honest. I really, really do. So, uh, you know, I will I will get down to it and do a review. Not that any of you are, like, you know, on hooks wanting to know what I think of it, but there you go. It's something else to fill the show, isn't it? Um, next up, university students blast Metallica music during Istanbul protest. Um, I, I watched the clips. It was fucking awesome. It really, really was. It was fucking awesome. Um, the fact that they, they're, they're using metal, the fact that they're using Metallica just to wind up the um, the government, but also they were like they were using all the the, the relevant songs to to protest. Um, shortest straw and all sorts of bits and pieces like that and I just thought this is that is what music rock music metal music whatever you want to call it that is what it was invented for that's that is really what it's for as you know obviously a pit but if you can't pit at the moment which you can't um, in fact you can't even have a fucking demonstration but to be fair they they didn't seem to give a fucking turkey Um, and it was awesome so I urge you to check out that um, that material um, oh, and that was it. Yeah, it was it was uh, John Schaefer from Iced Earth who was photographed amongst the Trump supporters at Capitol Hill. Um, not the greatest career move ever, um, and um, and I'm basically awaiting the next story of his arrest, which um, I would imagine is is going to impinge on Iced Earth's career quite heavily. Um, I've, I've never particularly been a fan. Uh, I'm sure there's some of you out there for some reason. I don't know. I think the name. The name and the artwork, it's all a bit European power metal for me. Um, and as I've said before, I mean, you know, it's a it's a tried and tested and absolutely valid um, uh, genre of metal. It just doesn't, I don't know, power metal for me is, it's a bit too happy. That's, I think that's what it is for me. I think power metal always, I don't know, do you know what I mean? It makes, it makes you want to get up and go, oh, 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 I'm going down the shops, yeah. I'm going down the shops with my horse and steed. And, and I, I don't know, it just always, you know, and, and, and it's all fantasy and wizards and dragons. And, and I, I mean, people who love power metal are listening to this and going, oh, shut up, you cunt. But seriously, it, that's, it, that's where it lives in my head, I'm afraid. And and I just, I don't know, I can't... Do I struggle to take it serious? I suppose I do a bit. I suppose I really do just kind of struggle to take it seriously. I mean, can anybody, can anyone throw at me a political power metal band? Yeah, or, or, a, or, or a power metal band that, you know, that sings about real issues in, in, in real life. Um... I mean, I, I'm probably going to get absolutely hammered for this, but hey, come at me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Please give us a follow. Increase the numbers. That way, you know, people see that got high numbers and I get better interviews. So that would be the reason to come at me. But anyway, yeah, power metal. I don't know. It's just, ah, it, it's, it's, I don't know. Is it Thrash's um, child-friendly cousin? You know, is it is it is it kind of like thrash light? You know, with all the sugar taken out, with all the good stuff taken out. I, I, I'm again. I'm I'm asking questions. I'm not saying I've got the answers, but for me, power metal has always just been a bit, a bit. Oh hello, it's power metal here. Do you know <laughs> the cheerful bastard at the party? You know the 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 annoying one. 
I, I guess that's what it is. I guess it's it's it kind of annoys me. Power metal. It's just it's too fucking cheap. You know, you know when you know somebody who's just happy all the time, and and you just think there's something fucking wrong with that person. Do you know what I mean? Nobody is that happy all the time. There is, you know, there's the skins of young children drying in his loft. You know, there's just, if, and I guess that, and that is power metal for me. It's that, that person that's too bloody cheerful all the time. You know, you, you go around and you say, all right, mate, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Oh, fuck off. Hey, how was your weekend? I had a brilliant weekend. I don't want to fucking know. You know who I mean. I'm Well, and if you don't, then, you know, you are lucky. <laughs> anyway. Tangent over. Um, James Hetfield pays tribute to Marsha Zazula. She was our mother when I had none. What a lovely sentiment from James. I didn't know Marsha. I know uh, uh, Johnny Z, but when I say no, I mean, you know, I kind of... He know he knows me. I know him, but I, you know we're certainly not friends or anything like that. But um, but and, and Marshall, I've never had any dealings with. I, I didn't know her, but obviously a big loss to the metal community. Anybody involved with Megaforce is a is a is a big loss to the metal uh, metal the metal community. And um, and obviously, I was going to say this podcast sends its um, you know all of its um, love, respect, and everything else. But it's not this podcast. It's me. So. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a real loss. It's a real loss to the metal community. Um, and finally, in the news section, let's go to Dave Mustaine, shall we? The tentative album title, right, oh, actually, this is this is Dave speaking, so. Yeah, the tentative album title we have right now is called The Sick, The Dying and The Dead. Yeah, we might, we might change that because there's some other titles and I usually change the titles four or five times before I settle on anything. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not, I, that's not Dave Mustaine really, is it? You know, Hello me, it's the real me. Hello, good day. Would you like a pint? Anybody fancy a beer? I d- <laughs> um... Uh, sorry, Dave, if you're listening, you're not, so fuck it, doesn't matter. But, um, so Dave, I mean, again, this is what we're down to with uh, with news stories. I mean, he even says himself, I usually change the titles four or five times before I settle on anything. So this is literally a non-story, this is the first of the same story running four or five times with four or five different titles but at the moment the next Megadeth album is going to be called The Sick, The Dying and The Dead yeah, uh, Dave, read the room probably not the title that you want to be releasing towards the end of a pandemic The Sick, The Dying and The Dead I mean, I'm really... I, mean, I really think that's probably... I mean, I, I hope there's another four or five titles to come. And I hope the other four or five aren't uh, Pandemics are fun. Yay, your relatives are dead. Woohoo, let's kill people. And um, masks, yes or no? Let, let's just... Let, let's move away from the pandemic, Dave. Let's, uh, let's get to something a little bit happier. Anyway, happier. Fucking... Uh, and there's me slagging off power metal for being too happy. And then... I'm I'm telling within within minutes I'm telling Dave that he's got to have a happier fucking album title. What a dick I really am. And to prove it, you're now going to listen to myself um and Aaron from um Paradise Lost have a chat for the first time 
for the first time in ages. And you know what? Um, I'd, uh, this is unbelievable. I had actually written the date that we met on my hand. I mean, that's as close as I get to um, uh, to preparation. And it's I've I've been it's well it's gone it's disappeared. <laughs> well, it was it was June nineteen eighty eight. I'll let Aaron fill you in. Really enjoyed this. Had a great chat. Had a great catch up. You got to hear. I mean, there's 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 no prep needed. So. Have a listen. This is Aaron and I having a chat. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, do you know what? Weirdest thing is like all the way through all the lockdowns this year, I've been getting up earlier than I usually do. And then for some bizarre... Well, today, oh, I really slept in. I have no idea why, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. I had no... I had no because I've, I've, because just... I've been waking up before my wife every day. She, she thought, oh, you just must need the sleep in, and she didn't think about it. <laughs> well, look, br- brilliant. I mean, you know, ultimately, uh, you could have you could have kept all that secret. You've been open with me. That's that's a great start. <laughs> well, my mum has always said to me, honesty is the best policy. So uh, we 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 were raised in a f- similar areas by similar mothers. By the yeah. sound of it, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, I just the weird thing is I can't lie. <laughs> it's bizarre, really. But I don't know whether that's how my mum's drummed it into me or not. But. It's kind of nice in a way because I always feel for the people who um, kind of make up stories or, you know, they do the, you know, the the, the whole bit of a, a dream thing happened or they elaborate on the story too. Yeah. But then the problem is they, they have to remember that story in case they hit, somebody else tells it, you know what I mean? And, but yeah. It, yeah, I always find it's it's just it's just easier. It's everything straight then, and then it's good. Yeah, like you said, uh, the, the truth, uh, it, um, always tell the truth because it's the easiest thing to remember. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it feels good. It it does. Obviously, it does. It feels good. Except for the odd, except for the odd white lie, you know. But you know. Uh, well, they, they're all they're always permissible. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for white, if it wasn't for white lies, I'd have had considerably less fun in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to say, I was thinking, you know, the other day. Besides, I can't remember if we bumped into each other at a Kerrang Awards in the 90s. But besides that, the last time we spoke potentially <laughs> yeah. was June the 23rd, 1988. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I'm, I'm so glad that you've gone in on that because that that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, I was, I was, you know, after, after this was set up, it was like, oh, this would be great. Cause, you know, I, I've, I've had a few people, you know, sort of tell me what you've been, you've been doing with your career in Extra. And it's like, oh, I wonder how he's doing with that. So it was, it was quite nice to actually talk to you to find out really I, well, well so it's not it's not just about me it's about you <laughs> oh, oh that's so nice <laughs> <laughs> um uh, how have you been anyway how have you been yes since since um uh what what was the date again june the 23rd 1988 uh, it was paradise lost first ever show yes in and uh reanimator at yeah. the Frogatorium. Exactly. And we had um, the one thing I remember. Uh, the other thing I remember. I was so nervous before we played because Paradise Lost had only been going for three and a half months at that point. Um, I was so nervous before we played. I, I was tr- I was trying to drink a bottle of Grolsch to sort of get some Dutch courage at the side of the stage before we went on. I was shaking so much I dropped it. <laughs> oh no! And that uh, thus making everything much worse. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it was. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's the day when I I, I really got the bug because playing live is my favourite thing, and that was the day when it was like, this is great. 
Well, even though, I, even though um, we had a 30 minute slot and we only had 15 minutes of music. So I think we did two songs twice and we attempted a we attempted a Sodom cover, which did, which we, we we sort of I know I knew two riffs, and the rest of the band knew one, so that didn't go very far. And then Nick took the piss out of the audience for about five minutes, and that was about it. <laughs> I I remember to be honest with you, I I really do I remember it clearly because I've said like over over the years, you know, I've I've always said. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, we did we did a gig in we did a gig in Bradford. Reanimator was supporting. We got their demo off them. We gave it to Music for Nations, and they signed Reanimator. That's and right. opening that yeah. night <laughs> was was Paradise Lost's first ever gig. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, basically, as always, say it's like, yeah, the the if you combine Acid Rain and Reanimator's sales over their entire careers, it's probably doesn't even make up one of your lesser successful albums. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've got 16 albums out now. The studio I, albums. I know. It's bananas. It, it's bananas. I just, I saw it. Because I, 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 I do occasionally do a little bit of research. Um, <laughs> and... Um, uh, and and find, finding out that we are we are London lockdown brothers, for one. Yeah, yeah. And um and then seeing sixteen albums. I mean, I was. I, I, funnily enough, you've kind of beaten me to the punch there because I was going to say, you know, does that kind of does that sort of surprise you or kind of you, you just well, look I'm at sorry, it? Sometimes. I'm, I'm waffling on. I'm not even thinking about the fact that you might have a range of questions lined up, and I might be just jumping around. Oh, sorry. I, no, 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 not at I, all. Not at all. No, 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 I no, like, no. I like, I do like doing interviews, but sometimes it's nicer when it's a chat. Oh, mate, I've never been, I've never been accused of being organised. Um, right. So uh, yeah, you 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 jump around all over the place um, as much as you yeah. like. But six sixteen albums does yeah. You just suddenly wake up one day and bloody hell, it's sixteen albums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the band in in March it'll be thirty three years we've been going as well. So it's a pretty good. Uh, a modern turnover. I mean, in the seventies, I mean, you had bands turning out albums every six months. I mean. But I mean that that isn't. I, I don't know how bands did that. I really. Do. I've got a lot of admiration for bands that that managed to go do that, promote it. But I mean, in general, most of those were American bands or British bands, and they either just toured the UK or they just toured the US on yeah. the for the majority of it. Really, or they came to Europe for five weeks and that was it. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's bananas when you think about how how those bands had that sort of turnout. I mean, they, it must have been. They can't remember anything because so many things happen so quickly. If you know what I mean. I mean, when I when I think about a touring cycle for Paradise Lost over the years, it it works out beyond the first few albums, which came out quite quick because we weren't touring a lot. Um, it's usually about a two year cycle, you know, with like a year and a half plus of touring with with festivals on either end of it. If you know what I mean, and then a year and a quarter or something of touring, and then you've got a well, four to six months where you sort of write albums. We've kind of got into that groove and it kind of works well. But it, it's even then, it's quite hard to remember things when things are so spread out. I mean, those bands, I mean, they must have had, and in such a short space of time. I mean, you you hear of some artists and you think that, you know, they're world famous artists and yet they were only going for four years, but they released six albums, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, but, and they were only going for four years. And it's like, oh, that's two albums. That's like, I mean, I'm. We we plan ahead like three up to three years in advance when we start doing doing things. Sometimes we get a date like two years in advance. Wow. You know, of when we're actually to play it. You know, and it. I mean, that is mad. I mean, obviously, you look at this Excel spreadsheet and it, it'll say like 2022 and stuff like that in it, and dates are in there, and it's like bananas. I mean, obviously, it's a bit bit weirder at the moment. Let's let's just keep it at that. But um, 
Yeah, it's 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 been a mad old year. I mean, there's going to be a lot of bands probably touring two albums at the same time, and um, and I, I I really think there's going to be well, it depends how many venues are left because the music industry, yeah, outside of the countries that are generally being very good at government sponsoring their music industry, like Germany and Holland, and all these countries have been phenomenal. Scandinavian countries have also very good with it, where they sort of. There's a lot of government funding goes into the arts, and that's why when I mean, even I remember when we first toured in Holland in 1990. Um, I mean, we were used to playing like Planet X in Liverpool and places like that, and then you go to Holland, and a it's clean. <laughs> B, yeah. There's a, there's a toilet, and it works. That, yeah. I mean, that, you know, the bonus of having a, a toilet, and and then it works as well. But then there was a fridge, and there was actually cheese, cheese. Well, it's usually cheese and ham and bread. Che- but cheese, ham and beer. There was actually. There was food and there was some there was some drinks for you and it was it it was like it was like look we lads we've arrived kind of thing but um, yeah I know and look was, I know I know what you mean so much better the, organization it's like the furniture was clean the room was clean the shower worked the toilet worked oh there was a shower that was the other thing yeah um, no I I know what you mean I mean first time first time we ever played abroad um, we were in we got to we were we were put in a dressing room in Belgium and. Um, it was so nice. We just assumed it wasn't for us, so we nicked all the beer yeah, out the same. fridge. We nicked all the beer out the b- fridge and put it on the bus. Um, we stashed a few bits bits of food in our bags, and then we were told that it was our dressing room, and we just robbed ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's easy to assume because I mean, I mean, as, as much as the UK has got an amazing music industry and scene over the other, you wouldn't think so the way the government is showing a lack of support, um, especially for. Venues and crew, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I feel for that. I know people have lost so much work and jobs, um, and it's it, and there's just no support for it. And it's, it's, it's been such a, a thing where people who like music are very proud of the music scene from this country and the heritage, and people around the world have loved it. And yet our country doesn't seem to have the same love of it. Beyond you know, like the the Mori, I don't like to say elite arts because I, you know, it, it, the things like you know the opera and the theatres, which are great institutions and they should be supported as well. But yeah, there's just there's there's not been very much help for the for the smaller venues. I know a couple of venues yeah. that have gone, um, and I think when bands start touring again, what venues are left? And everybody's going to be wanting to tour because it's such it's such an important part of a band's sustainability, uh, yeah. selling merchandise and 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 doing the touring, even though touring isn't cheap you know people have learned to do it a lot cheaper um but it's it, everyone's going to be on a tour and what venues are left. I, I, I can just really see there's going to be four band bills touring everywhere um, yes yeah yeah four four headliners uh, well, I, yeah i think it's going to have to going to have to be you know and i, I think um i just hope it comes through because I, mean, I think the industry is going to lose a lot of very skilled technicians because they've had to find work elsewhere and then uh, and once you get into a steady job, unless yeah. you've got, I mean, people do have itchy feet. I do get, I, I get the itchy feet. I love going on tour, but I mean, not so much spending money on the prices in gas stations, airports, and hotel food, basically. But um, besides that, you know, I, I, I love to travel. I love to play the shows and everything. And it's been a funny old year that way, really, for everybody. And I, I, you know, it's looking forward to it. You know, let's let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I, just, I just hope so many of the old institutions and 
the people who have been in the industry for years and you know the people with the, the stories and the skills you know yes are all there still and, I, I hope so and, anyway. yeah I know what you mean going to those venues that have managed to survive and just hoping that the like you know the people that you always see there who you who know the industry inside out and are just great to deal with just hoping they're all I mean, still there I mean a lot of them well. have, have literally survived on they don't pay themselves much they've got just enough to live for the week and they've usually got a partner that's got a full time job I mean promote you know some of the smaller promoters and venues I mean it's, it, they love what they do you know they found it and it's these people you know that are going to be lost unfortunately you know some of the big corporations will still be around but they'll lose a lot of the talent that they had because they can't afford to pay them a lot of them you know but there uh, anyway can we let's just yes. move along from yeah yeah ab- yeah absolutely absolutely um, uh, everyone knows the state, state of the industry I mean to be honest it's, it's venues and crews and things because I, I mean I I've done some local crewing and salt of the earth people, and it was just all of a sudden the job, their, their income has gone basically because they, yeah. they literally do, they get paid on the month, you know, or depending on what they've worked. And if they haven't worked, they don't get paid. You know, it's well, all very much small time self employed. Well, it's a point. It's a, be... Yeah, it's a, it's a point I've been making when people say saying like, "Oh, what we can, what can we do to support bands?" And it's like, "Yeah, we can, we can make merch and we can put music out and we can do a few bits yeah. and pieces." But it's venues that I'm concerned about because they, you know, they can't do yeah. anything. Well, they can't. They can't pay the the, uh, the staff. It's, it, it's amazing how many people are involved. Even for like a, if you've got a show on there, there's a thousand capacity. So it's, it's like a medium sort of size hall. I mean, there's easily going to be fifty people. 60 people earning money from outside of the venue between you know like rental companies and catering companies or um local crew um you know stagehands all sorts you know that there's a, there's a whole ecosystem around it that, that is damaged it's not it's not just the venue the venues will be finding it really hard i mean i mean rates rates are phenomenal and you know they're extortionate really uh, they don't get any help but anyway let's hope Let's hope they, they survive, and let's let's try and be more positive, Howard. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think everyone everyone knows the state of the industry at the minute. So I know yeah. it's me that's waffling on. But then, uh, well, you know, yeah. everybody's uh, everybody's industry is is suffering. But anyway, you know, yeah. su- such is life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, going back to that um, that first time that um, uh, well, it, first and probably last time that we met, because I, I I genuinely don't think that we've. We've bumped into each other over the years, and yeah, I've been brains before we bumped into each other. I've got a niggle that we we almost have sort of said hello, but not really spent a lot of time talking at a Karang Awards in the early, in the early mid nineties or something. I've got and and the niggling thought that maybe, but um, or some through via someone at MFN we bumped into each other. That that um, is, uh, do you know what? Now you you might have hit us upon something there. The the yeah. the through somebody at ever MFN either I might have been oh, in the office. Or... You got the tenth anniversary birthday party. Uh, I don't think I, think I did. Uh, no, the borderline, if I remember. Yeah, no, I, d- I don't think I did. Uh, in fact, the last the last Music for Nations thing I went to, very sadly, um, eleven months ago was was Martin's funeral. Oh no, that's horrible, isn't it? He was yeah. an absolute. Super, wonderful gentleman. Wasn't he just? Yeah. Wasn't he just? Yeah. It's and it and it's I mean, rare. There, there, there was the man that actually, I mean, literally lived and breathed music. I mean, he he, he signed bands because he loved them, not because they were commercially. You know, he, he didn't think, all right, this is going to make me a lot of money. He never ever thought like that. You know, I mean, he, he's a man that basically 
brought Twisted Sister to everyone's attention through secret records initially, and yeah, um, and it, was, it was such. I, I really liked Martin a lot. I was I was heartbroken when he went. I know he'd been ill for a long time, but and I've I've kept in touch with a number of the MFN guys. I went to Andy Black if if he was there when you were there. I went to his uh, birthday party a couple of years ago as well, and I keep in touch with Jem and um, Liam is still a very good friend of mine. Um, well, like best mates, he introduced me to my wife. In fact, <laughs> well, do you, do you know <laughs> yeah. what that is? That's bizarre because um, you've just listed all the people that I stay in touch with, apart from apart from Andy, yeah. I have to say. But um, yeah, Jem, I've seen a fair bit of, um, and uh, and Liam, I gave a lift to and from the funeral. Um, right. He was uh, well. I went to his wedding on his fiftieth. Was it last year? No, the year before. Last his fiftieth, I think. Oh, yeah, so I mean, I, I still keep in touch with all, all of those as well. So it was such a great record label. I mean, what a great family vibe there. I mean, it it was the perfect place for us to move to from an in, from from peaceful, which was like almost the same sort of vibe. But Hammy was very very much on a on a smaller scale. But we 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 were very lucky that we with peaceful, we had a record label yet again. It was about the music, not the money. There were a few other labels around of the same size that where I know that artists were complaining that they weren't earning any money or it wasn't fair. And Hammy was always very fair with us. But then when we went to Music for Nations, it was, it, we went there for, for, we just got a really good feeling. We met a few record labels, um, but with, with Music for Nations, there was instantly a, a connection there. There was such an amazing group of people. Uh, and they just, uh, they, were, they were really enthusiastic about ideas for what you were doing and helping you do what you did and it was such a great great label do you know what great that's label. that that's a that's a really um sound point you made there because i mean i you know i can just echo all of those sentiments but you know it's it's the only label we ever had and they were and they were awesome and they were great for us but um the the point you made there which is really important is that as you say, they were there, they were always looking for ways to try and help you do what you do, um, as opposed to change some way or try and interfere. It was, do you know what I mean? It was literally, right, we've signed this band, how best can we help you? As opposed to, right, here's what we're going to do with your lot. Yeah. No, they were were great. I think they they put a lot of trust in the artist. Uh, um, and I think that's why people enjoy being on the label so much. Uh, what they did is like, all right, w- what can we do? What do you need? And it's like, oh, we've, you know, and it's like, we've had, well, you know, basically we, we, all we need to do is, is the studio. But they just left you alone. They trusted the artist. The artist met the music. They met the music available. I mean, that they have that kind of ethos. But they still, they were very, they were excited about it. I mean, you got, I remember we, we took, um, you take an album down, and, and Martin Hooker was excited to hear it. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, God, I can't wait to hear it. You know, and he was, yeah. he was, you know, well, not just Martin. I mean, the whole, that was the beautiful thing about that label, you know. And I went to Peter Grant's uh, funeral a few years ago. Sadly, he passed away as well. Um, but, yeah, it was just such amazing people there. Um, but, yeah. I mean, and he sort of gave us the, the thing going forward from, like, MFN, it was like, we, we, we got trusted by everybody else after that. It's like, well, what do you normally do? It's like, oh, well, we just give people the album when it's done. I mean, half the time we didn't even give demos to labels. I mean, MFN we did because we knew they'd be excited. 
Yeah. Um, but you, then, then it was a point, it was like, well, everyone just trusted us after that, and we got so used to that being the way. But that was all born out of the relationship we had with Music for Nations in the first place, really. Yeah, I mean, just... Uh... You know, well, you did. You did some of your, um, you did some of your, your 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 biggest albums with them, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, our, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, plus it was the nineties, and sales are very different these days to, compared to what they what they were in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, general, I think the weird thing is the millennium is, is literally the turning point from bands losing money on tour. That you know, because you basically saw that as your advertising for the record, and the record made your money, and then yeah. Post literally the millennium, it, it just completely polar flipped, really. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, Icon was was a, was a a really big jump for us up from Shades of God, and then I think with the, with the wave we had from Icon, I mean, we toured with Sepultura on their Chaos AD album. I mean, they were incredible on that tour. I mean, I watched them most nights. I mean, they they were they were the band you thought they were going to be like the next Metallica at that point because they were they were. They were that good, yeah. And they were the the audiences were were brilliant, you know. Uh, and between our Icon album getting a really good vibe and Sepultura's KSID, that tour was amazing for both bands. Uh, I think we both uh, sort of g'd up each other's audience figures. Um, such a good tour. And then we did our own tour for it, and it was incredible. And Draconian Times then became our eventually became our biggest selling album. I mean, weirdly the. The biggest selling one until we reissued Drag Times was actually One Second, uh, the last album we did for MFN. Uh, but then when we reissued um, Draconian Times, that became the, yeah, the biggest. But I mean, yeah, it's been it's been a phenomenal um, album, that for us. I mean, we, we were supposed to be playing... We've done a few in the past. We did a few about five years ago or something. Shows where we played the whole album. Uh, we'd sort of avoided it. We've been asked to do it for years, but we didn't want to be... Um, you, you don't want to be viewed as almost like a legacy act in a, in oh, a way. Oh hell yeah, uh, I know what you mean. I mean, and so in, internally we said until we've got an album that's heavier and doing well, we're not going to do anything like this. And then obviously it got to a point where we we were doing really really well. I mean, there was a, a period after the millennium when I think everybody uh, suffered quite quite badly with sales. I mean, I remember seeing one figure about two thousand three, two thousand four, something like that. Where they said like the the biggest selling album ten years ago was Madonna and she sold I think she sold something like twenty million something like that and then it, it was her last album which had been at number one had sold to it was like a tenth of the sales and yeah. if you if you condense that down to bands of, of you know of our sort of size I mean that's a massive loss in sales and revenue yeah. and I think a lot of bands struggled to survive through that period in, in a lot of ways. And we were, we had a bit of support from from record labels, so we were quite lucky in that regard. And we had a history, but I think I think new bands, I think it must have been very difficult for them, unless you sort of came out of the gate and you were instantly selling loads because there was a big buzz and all. Um, very difficult period, bands. But but yeah, no, it's um, it's been really enjoyable, and I was really looking forward to doing the Draconian Time shows this year. I mean, they're still pending for next year. At the moment, um, a lot of the festivals just literally got lifted into next year. So yeah, I was really looking forward to doing Bloodstock and playing Draconian Times. Uh, I love that festival. The people who run it. Uh, what they're, day? They're, what day are you on at Bloodstock? Just, they, they love they love the music. You know what I mean? It's it's a really good vibe. It's a bit like the sort of Wacken vibe. There's a real atmosphere of family there with between fans. And, yeah, 
the people and everything. So, oh, yeah, I, I would go for that festival. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, what day were you? Um, what day were or are you on at um, Bloodstock? Do you know what, I think I, I think it's the same day as Priest. I think I think it was a Saturday. I think ah, I right, can't remember okay. off the top of my head. Plus, I don't know. I, I know they've added an extra day for next year, so I don't know whether they'll move it around or anything. So. Yeah, no, I think um, yeah, we're we're still we're still on a Friday, and I think you're still on the Saturday then. So um, I don't know. We're 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 thinking we might hang around for a day. So if we do, we'll. Um, uh, you know what? That'd be great to catch up. It'd be, wouldn't it? It'd be it'd be it'd be amazing. It'll Although be thirty-three years, it've almost been actually. It'd probably be nearly thirty-three years to the day, nearly. <laughs> well, yeah, but do you know what? The weird thing is, now you've mentioned Liam, I'm thinking. All of a sudden, I'm thinking. Yeah, did we have we have we have we had a you know sort of shared a beer or, or, or something like that? But I tell you, I tell you what, actually, we we should if it wasn't for lockdown, we should be doing this in a, you know in front of a nice warm fire in a pub somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what part of London? I'm, I'm in North London. Whereabouts? Here? I was going to say, yeah, I'm in I'm in West London. So you know, it's possible. I'm literally two minutes walk from the Piccadilly Line station, anyway. So yeah, I really well. I'm not far as well. So there you go. Well, I tell you what. When when we um, when when lockdown's up and we've got a bit of spare time, we've got to meet up for a beer and um, um, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, and just and just spend a good few hours talking about that um, that frog and toad gig, or even just catching up on everything in between. Do you yes. do you see any of the old lads at all? Um, I, um, well, let me see. I've seen, um, well, I saw Kev probably a couple of years ago. Um, I saw Mac, um, bass player. I saw him, um, when in Scarborough, when we played Scarborough last year in December in a, in a, um, in a teepee. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that is as, that is as odd as it sounds. Um, and, um, uh, and I, I'm not, I haven't really seen any of the rest of the guys for a, you know a, a good few years. Um, and funnily enough, I was looking at your your lineups. You've just it's basically it's it's still pretty much the four of you with um, a, you know a sort of um, constantly changing drum stool. Yeah, although it, it, it seems like that, but obviously, I mean, it's, I mean, Tuds originally was in for six years, and then Lee was in for eleven years. And then Jeff was in for five, Adrian was in for five, um, and then we've had Walter since then. So, I mean, Walter is, is phenomenal. I mean, he's half my age, uh, but he's, he's more sensible than the rest of us, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? He's, he's an incredible talent, and he's such a lovely fella. Um, well, great drummer as well. I mean, know, we've been very blessed that we've had amazing drummers. Uh, I mean, you... Lee was incredible drummer. And then Jeff... Jeff is, is like someone for me as a rhythm player. He's like he's such a great groove. Uh, I love playing with Jeff. Adrian was like literally like a powerhouse. Super. I'm great friends with Adrian. I mean, Adrian, I mean Jeff left because he joined the band um, after after Lee, and within the, within the first six months or a year, his, his wife got pregnant, and they had their first child, and then she got pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> they'd been together for a while uh, but and then she got pregnant again second time and he was like do you know what? this was about after about three or four years in the band he's like do you know what guys he said my wife's trying to hold down a job and she's got these kids and I'm going on tour and it's, he said a friend of mine's offered me a job he said so it, it's the way I know, you know I want to see my children growing up which is different to when you're sort of 19, 20 
you just you sort of you kind of feel as you just go go by. But when you're a bit older, you, these are the things that you appreciate more. Uh, so Jeff said, he immediately said, look, he said, look, lads, do you mind if I leave? He said, all right, I'll do the rest of this year. He gave us like seven months' notice or something. So we did the rest of it. So I'll do the rest of this year so you've got plenty of time and finish, you know, for the album touring. Um, he said, but, you know, I said, I want to see my kids grow up and I've been given an out. Uh, and we were like, do you know what, mate? It's, we, we were over the moon for him in a way because it's like, it's so, it was the right decision morally as much as anything. And, and as much as anything to help his poor wife, because she was like two kids and trying to hold down the job while he was away touring. We were on a tour with Nightwish in the States. And I think she was finding it, finding it a lot of work, really. And, and Jeff was like sort of on tour. So he did that. And then she got pregnant the third time before he finally left. So it was a good job he did, really. Wow. I mean, he misses it. And he's, he, but he's, he's such a good drummer. And he's just, he's just done the new My Dying Bride album. Um, which I can I can imagine has been like immense for them because he's such a good player. Um, but it, you know he, he really misses it. But he he'll, he still says he it's, it was the right decision because watching his kids grow up is the best thing. You know, three boys he's got, um, and it, it's so good. But I mean, Adrian Adrian came in after after that, and Adrian was great. I have such a laugh with Adrian. Still see him sometimes. Well, he's actually moving a little bit out of London. He lives in North London, so we're like really good mates and sort of get to hang out with him. Bree's so funny. He's, he's a proper comedian, a bit of a prankster as well, which is pretty funny. Bree, he's a he's a good laugh, he, but he institutes too many Jaeger evenings. <laughs> but he's such, a, he's, a, he's such a great drummer, powerful drummer. But he just got to the point where he, I mean, at the gates, was sort of slowing down there. So they got back together and they sort of did like some, a load of festivals, sort of like retrospective, you know, doing like their, you know, hot top albums and stuff like that. But I think they got the bug of it with it and they decided to write an album. And Adrian, even I went to the the launch party in the UK, was at the Crowbar, which is sadly. Yeah, that's good. Um, and... And with Adrian, I was at, I was at the thing. And I said, "This is really good. It was a really good album." I said, "This is going to do well." So I said, "At that point, I think he had about four or five albums on the go in the same year." I said, "How are you going to fit in, PL?" He said, "We've at the gates get touring." I said, "You've got." He was in Greg's band Valenfire at the time, and obviously had a new Haunted album. The Haunted had just reformed at the same time. He goes, "No, I'd be fine. I'd be all with being PL." But then he he just got too much. Uh, I mean, the amount of shows he was, he was having to try and fit into a summer because all the albums came out within like sort of six or eight months of each other. It was just a, it was a case of like, well, you know, it's, at the gates of the band he formed with his teenage mates, it was always going to be the one. They said, you know, we can't be. I mean, Jeff was loving it because Jeff was coming out and filling in for him. Uh, so he was, he, he was being like the weekend warrior in festival season, and it was great to see Jeff, great to play with Jeff, and good to see him. But it, it was it wasn't great consistency. For us, especially when we knew we were going to be doing another album, yeah, and so I kind of mutually agreed. He just didn't have the time to be in PL anymore. I don't think when he joined PL, he wasn't expecting that at the gates would continue. Um, they were sort of winding down, and plus he was an old PL fan. He was he was desperate to be in PL, but I mean we had such a good laugh. He didn't want to leave it because as much as, much as the music which he enjoyed, I think it, it, it was more the fact that we had such a good laugh together, that, um, which people will find. Weird when they think about PL, but, um, <laughs> but 
to be honest, it's the it's the main reason we've been going for thirty two years. We literally laugh all the time. Yeah, I think um, I think if you can laugh together, you, you you've got a better chance, really. Um, well, it's that it's without, that dressing room. That, I mean, it's, it's that dressing room camaraderie, isn't it? That like that 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 you know yeah. footballers I mean, you, talk when you, about. When, you, when you're going from a small dressing room into a tour bus, and you're like that for six to eight weeks together. You've you've got to know when people need an arm round them, when when they need space, and the rest of the time you you just try to laugh because you know it's there's not much else to do really. Yeah, Besides exactly. Yeah. Drink, well, drink and laugh. Um, but yeah, no, it's. I think um, if you can laugh together, I think you've got a good chance. I think Paul Stanley said once. He said two two person marriages don't work, and a band is like a four or five person marriage. You know, so so, so it's, you have to fight harder to keep it. Yeah, to make it work, um, and I think I think we've been very very lucky. The fact that we were friends, we were friends beforehand. I mean, I mean, our original drummer Tuds, he sat behind me from the age of eleven at school. Um, he's, he's still my oldest and best mate. And Greg, the lead guitarist, he was in the next classroom when I was eleven. Uh, I met Nick when I was I would think I'd just turned thirteen and he was twelve uh, from BMXing. Oh, brilliant! Um, <laughs> Brilliant! I used I used to be a Mex as well. In the early eighties, that's how we met. Is via BMXing, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and then then realised we both loved metal, so that was great. Bonus. And we met Steve. In, we met Steve. I think I met Steve in the Frog and Toad, either that or the Bolts in Halifax, one of the two, in a rock bar when we were like 16, 17, 17 I think. So we were like friends, friends before it, and we all like very, very much the same music. I mean, when PL started, I think we were going to be. A mixture between Creator and Sodom, with a bit of a Kelly Frost thrown in. But then, Tuds, Tuds is uh, he, he, he's got the the higher rate of diabetes. He, he had it all the way through school, and his energy levels wouldn't do <laughs> like death metal. So we played slow. I mean, half of the reason we've got our sound probably is through the fact that Tuds just couldn't keep up fast drumming. <laughs> so, uh, so he's, he's one of those things where you know he's he's um he he helped he st- helps stop us being a, a, a we wouldn't have been a clone band but i mean we, we really wanted to do all the fast stuff we, we did it in blast little blast moments but but yeah no because it was you know tuds just couldn't do it well tuds uh, um tuds uh turned up um, to a comedy show of mine that I did in that I did in Halifax about four or yeah. five years ago, and um, he's done very well for himself since leaving PL. That's for sure. Well, he's it, it, I, I, it was kind of weird because I was I was MC in the show, and um, I kind of in, I, I did my warm up, introduced the first act, um, went back on after they finished, said right, okay, you know, now we've got to have an interval. And I kind of went and stood some, and this guy came over, and he went, um, and he goes, um, he says, "All right, that's all right." And he and he said, um, "Are you um, you the uh, singer from Acid Rain by any chance?" And I went, <laughs> "Fucking hell, mate, yeah." Because I mean, the you know, I hadn't I hadn't brought the band back at that point, and I, and, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, fucking hell, mate, good good spot." And he said, "Well, we've met before. I used to play um, I used to play drums in Paradise Lost." I was like, "Oh fucking hell! How are you?" And so we had a we had like a really, a really minimal sort of um, catch up, um, and we I mean you know still still friends on Facebook, and we you know trade the occasional message and stuff. But um, yeah, I was absolutely blown away. I couldn't believe it. 
Um, yeah, he's a top. He's done really. He works in TV. He does like uh, first dates, uh, Love Island. Um, oh, he does all those TV shows. He's he's done very well for himself. All oh, right, he might be able to get me a TV show and a wife. He worked for MTV for 11 years after PL. And he was doing, like, the main show at the tea time with, like, Russell Brand and Lisa Snowden and all those sort of people. So, But, no, he, he, Tuds, Tuds hasn't changed. He looks the same, and he just <laughs> acts the same. He just, he, just, he just hasn't changed since I was... Eleven, basically. <laughs> uh, uh, which is which is what which is what you want from uh, from your friends. But um, yeah. so um, it's, it's so um, I'm pre- I'm Obsidian, a much better album title than Dragon Glass. I've got to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, is it? Was there a? Uh, was there any? Um, was there any Game of Thrones fans in the band going? Uh, yeah, you know, Obsidian. No, I think Nick Nick just had the idea of Obsidian from. He just wanted something that we just always try to find something that's dark. Basically. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, no, it was. Um, I, I can't remember. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where you're from, but I, I mean, it was. It, it was. I think something that we thought about eight years ago, and then it came back. It was like, yeah, it was perfect for that for the album. Because um, obviously, it's a, it's a very dark material. Yes. <laughs> like the album, I suppose, but. Um, but yeah, no, the the um, oh God, I can't wait to play the song live. I mean, we did a we did a stream, uh, like a, a a stream show, and so we played three of them together. But yeah, we haven't played any more than that together because you know the band never rehearses before a recording, which is annoying. But there we go. <laughs> but um, oh God, yeah, I can't, looking forward to um, taking some of them live, especially uh, Ghosts. And darker days. I think those two songs I'm gonna love playing them live. I've got. I, I mean, yeah. I, I know exactly how you feel, mate. I mean, we, you know, first album for 29 years. We managed to do like five shows, and then all of this happened. Um, oh. And as you said earlier, um, I, I think, I think, you know, yeah, we we may end up being one of those bands who's who's touring two albums, and it's 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 such a shame. It really is. But you know, it 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 also can't be helped. So, yeah. you know, whilst it's it's in force, you just got to make the best of it. Um, yeah, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's it's if if everything they say about these vaccines is right, that hopefully in a year's time, it'll seem like. I think is when you once you get towards latter years in your life, it'll it'll seem like a horrible blip. I mean, you yeah, know, it's, oh, it'll seem like a bad dream. Imagine, 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 I mean, we've had we've called this such a hot. A horrible year, but imagine what it was like being in a world war for four or five years, oh, six yeah. years. You know, it's it that must have been absolutely horrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, constant the the stress, the bombs, and everything, and loved ones away. And you know, it's really it's 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 not in the same. But I'm hoping that you know, obviously, we get we get through it, and it'll be like bloody hell. You remember that year? Um, yeah. Because like most things, it's like when you're when you're on a long tour, you're like bloody hell, this tour's going on forever. Can't wait to get home. You know, once you're about five or six weeks in, it's like you do miss home. You know, little creature comforts and privacy as much as anything. Because yes, you, you're literally you're on top of each other for for weeks and weeks on end, and there's no private space. You know, except maybe on days off. But um, and then but. When you when you, once you're home for two weeks, it doesn't seem like it was two minutes long, you know. So yeah. I'm hoping that 2020 will feel a bit like that in the coming years, 
Um, but I think you know. I think some people have have, have found they've, they've found some things in their lives that they've rediscovered importance of certain things in their life. I think yes. for some people, I think some people have um, in a, in a weird way found it enlightening. Yeah, um, I know a few people who have thought they've, they've had to change careers. Sadly, but in a way, they, it's it's given some people. A, you know, the, the kick they needed or they wanted, but, you know, obviously it's not the perfect way to do it, but, but I know so many people that have, you know, lost their jobs as well, which is not great. But it's one of those that hopefully in, in years to come, you like to think that in general that human nature will learn from it, but, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who think, well, I spent that year not making the money and now I didn't have to work harder. Um, and, you know, sacrifice things along the way to do that, but hopefully, hopefully, enough people have, have had a bit of a um, bit of a light bulb moment in a way. I mean, my poor my poor niece is sort of six; she's just turned sixteen, and she's she's worried about her exams. You know, so it's it's not just people of my age or people who are in, in the twenties; it, it's people who are younger that have been affected quite yeah. badly with it. You know, so. So yeah, fingers crossed. It, it's all um, well. I, I don't think there's going to be a short. It's not going to be a short term, but hopefully things pick up and normalcy returns in stages. You know. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's very much the case as well. It's you know in stages. It's it's going to come back. You know the the, the very the very last thing to come back is going to be the, like the little the little sweat pot gigs. Um, yeah, I, I, that's what I mean. It's like it, it, our industry. Is the is going to be the last thing yeah. to come back? Yeah. Um, I mean, because I mean, like I was saying earlier, these these promoters that literally they almost live hand to mouth. Some of them, in a way, because you know they can have one gig where they lose what they would have spent on food that month, and then the, you know the next month they'll have a, they'll have a, a gig which will make them that money back, and it's it's that close for a lot of them, and they're not going to be booking bands to come and play a venue. Um. Just on the hope, you know, because when you think about it, you've got a flight, if, say if it's a band, I think domestic touring is going to be a, a thing for a little while. Uh, bands aren't going to go, unless you're sort of Central Europe and you can drift into other countries quite easily without too much expense. Because a promoter isn't going to pay for a band to fly, even if they only take one or two crew, fly into the country, put them in a hotel and fly them home again. Yeah. When, it, say, say there's a, like 600 capacity venue, they can only have 60 people because that ticket price is not going to cover the cost. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be very difficult for, especially for the smaller promoters to sort of be able to do that with international acts at first, I think. Depends, you know, but like you say, people being close and sweating next to each other is, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be the last thing. Well, it's also, it's a it, it is. Coolish ones. I mean, the two, two, two of my favourite shows I've ever done, actually, I'll put a third one in here now, but, uh, we, I mean, we co-headlined um, the Dynamo Festival in 95 with Typo Negative. Oh, and there was a, Well, the reports are anything between 125 and 140,000 people. Wow. I have never, I, have, I, I got on stage and I hadn't seen the crowd all day and I, I was trying to look mean. I remember I woke up, I was like, right, look mean. And I walk out and I just the biggest grin hit my face because I have never seen. <laughs> well, I've never seen. I mean, I played to 
I played to about seventy thousand before then, um, but I've ne- seriously over a hundred thousand people. You just can't see the end of it. It's m- mental, so amazing, and that's one of the favourite shows I've ever But another one of my favourite shows in right something like ninety three or something like that. We played in a Swedish pool hall to one hundred and forty people, and it was mental. It was brilliant. <laughs> you know, and it, I, I put those two shows and the, the anniversary show we did in Halifax last year. I keep forgetting that. But, to, to mention that, but it, that was like, a, I think it was like 100 capacity. Uh, it was the first time we've ever played in Halifax, even though the band was formed in Halifax. Uh, so we played the Lantern, which is like a 100, 120 cap uh, gig, where basically the stage is like, it's actually an amazing venue. They, they've got a really nice dressing room and everything like that. It's a really amazing venue for its size. I recommend anybody play there. But it was just like such a great show. And we got Tuds up to play a song and Jeff got up and played a song as well uh, the old drummers um, and it was ace you know and those those gigs have been as easily as good as 140 100, I'll say 130 to average it out 130,000 <laughs> uh, because it's it's about energy um, yeah it's not about I mean alright that's what she said it's not about the size but it's <laughs> it's what you do with it but it's um <laughs> It, it, it's about the energy and the vibe, and you know, small gigs. I I love that. I mean, because yeah. I mean that's what got me into it when we were we were young. It's like the Frog and Toads, the yeah. Planet X's, the Doors. You know, all these gigs. Uh, they're the ones that were like, yeah, come on, let's. Uh, you just you just get down and do it, and most of the crowd can't see you, but they're still having a good time anyway. You know, because you're at eye level <laughs> for a lot of those kind of shows. Either that or your, your air's getting wrapped around the pipes that were on the ceiling in Planet X and stuff like that. But, well, not my... I don't have that problem anymore. I've been <laughs> proudly, proudly shaved for 20 years now. But, uh, I mean, as nice as it would be to have the option, shaved head is, is so much better, easier. It really is. But, um, yeah, so I, I think it, it, it's going to be a little bit before that happens. But once, once it does, I mean, it's going to be phenomenal. I mean, I... I yeah, I think everybody has got a whole new appreciation. Who loves music of, of actually seeing shows? I mean, I was good this year because we were playing. We were going to be playing a festival with Deep Purple, and now Ian Pace is a drum god for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a massive drums fan, so I, I, it, it, I should have been a drummer, really. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm absolutely Ian Pace is, is an absolute legend for me, and we were going to be playing with um, Deep Purple this summer. So I was hoping to watch Ian Pace from side of stage and. Oh god! I mean, they're still booked for the festival next year. I just hope it happens. But you can imagine, with especially older bands, you know, I mean, the bands that I loved when I was a kid, you know, you've got your Iron Maidens, your Metallicas, you know, all these bands that were like the big bands when I started going to gigs in the mid eight in the eighties. Um, these bands are in in the sixties. I know, and some of them are some of them are close to seventy. I mean, you, I mean, poor Ozzy. I mean, it, it was funny a few years ago. It was like somebody. So we, we were at a festival with. Uh, it was when um, Tony Iommi got ill, and they were doing Aussie and Friends instead. So they had like Slash and Zach Wild and everyone on stage. It was a great line, great lineups. And we we went out to the crowd to watch a bit, and we were watching it. And somebody stood next to us. I think it was me, Steve, and someone else, our bass player Steve. And somebody said, "It's like, oh, Aussie isn't sounding that good." But Steve just turned around and said, give him a break, he's a fucking pensioner. <laughs> Brilliant. And I was like, I hadn't thought of it, because for me, they're still like these young, 
I don't know. But I, yeah, think, well, I know what you I, mean. They're a bit older than me, so I just yeah. think of them, I still think of myself as young. So they're just like a slightly older version of me. Yeah. But it was a. Uh, but it was like I hadn't thought of it like that. But these people, they're going to be more worried about their health going forward. So a lot of these older bands that. Um, you've got to see them before they decide. You know, oh, you know, my back's hurting too much, or I can't do it anymore, or, or worse. You know, it's like I've been making sure over recent years I've been going to see all the bands I wish I'd seen when I was younger, and I've missed a few sadly. Uh, but you've got to go see these see these bands. But I mean, they've got to be worried. It's like, well, do I want to be in a room full of people who are potentially going to make me ill? You know, <laughs> when I'm seventy or something. Do you know what I mean? Oh God, yeah, no, I do. They don't accept it when they're on stage. You know, you, you do get addicted to this. You can't. It's hard to stop. I mean, you come back. You know, and you know what it's like. You you've missed the bug. I mean, you've still been performing, but yeah. uh, musically, you you must have had the bug and missed it to come back. Well, I think uh, to be honest, um, I mean, uh, when you when we were talking about like you know venues and things coming back, I mean, again, comedy is going to be right. You know, one of the very last things to come back. People people laughing, and obviously the transference of, of uh, you know of any of any virus. That's uh, that's a problem. Um, and being oh, in, yeah. Yeah. you know, being in little basement clubs, which is which is the, really where comedy thrives. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be really, it's going to be a long time before that happens. And um, I mean, I did two shows in um, September when we were lucky enough to get back um, um, to socially distanced shows, which oh, were which were which were fun. They still didn't feel kind of right, but it was still it was still fun. But then it was just depressing because it was a reminder of what you're missing. <laughs> um, yeah. And and yeah, I kind of I I think well, 25 years I've, I've been doing stand up, and um, um, I you know absolutely absolutely loved it, absolutely loved it, and didn't really think about the um the, the band at all until um until Kev suggested that we we reform and um but he was suggesting it sort of two years down the line and of course by the time we did come back um uh, that was still his in- entire only involvement in the whole reformation was suggesting it two years previously um so we so we did try there was some rehearsals and and that that was all good but uh, over time i think you know basically people people had forgotten um how much this you know it takes out because even if you just want to do it as coming back and doing it as a little bit of a hobby there's still a level of commitment to make it um yeah to, for it to be good enough to put on anything for people you have to put time and work into it and whilst people were willing to put the, the work well, in with coming back there's a lot of expectation from the people so you have to you have to try even harder potentially well yeah expectation, yeah isn't there i mean people people remember how it was when they were a kid and when you look back things were always better when you were a kid or younger and if it's something somebody's been dying for you to come back for years there's a lot of expectation on that on uh, their part well exactly and 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 given there was only me from the original lineup by the time we came back and it was like oh my god so for for people to be kind of so accepting of the new album and a lot of people saying that it's now their you know their favorite uh, acid rain album that is just you know that's that's mind bending um but yeah you're absolutely right coming back once there was a once there was a even a, a whiff of it 
the entire old lineup had gone right okay so this isn't happening and i was just sat there thinking well it's only me now but do you know what i i really really want to make this happen um mm. because i've kind of got the bug again so to be so to be back doing it it is absolutely amazing and you're right you know it's it it's a drug it it really is and it's it's I not... mean, did you actually, one one thing I'm always curious about, did you consider sort of altering the name a little bit so it, the expectation was different or no no the way like no the way I covered it was the I mean you know I've done I've done my years in marketing and uh, and and sales and the way I the way I decided to deal with it was just calling it a reboot as opposed to a reformation yeah. and it worked because basically it you know it was the the opening line of all press releases were basically look we tried to reform it didn't happen so if you want to hear these songs again it's this or nothing and yeah. uh and 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 the other side of it as well is that you know if it was generally completely accepted by all the fans which was amazing but also the reason for calling it acid rain is our set consists entirely of acid rain songs. It would be yeah, weird yeah. to call it anything else. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we just kind of you know stuck with it, came back, and uh, and and it, and it's all worked out. It's you know it's, it's all worked out, and to to be to be kind of connecting again with that kind of energy and everything that you're talking about from those live performances is just yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. It really is. Mm. Um, I mean, someone said to me, you know, uh, what do you prefer, comedy or music? And I was like, well, you know, they're like my, they're, they're like children. I love them equally. And they were like, yeah, that's not an answer. Um, <laughs> so, so they just went right. Okay, you got a gig tonight. It's comedy or music. Which one do you do? And I was like, oh, you bastard! You've got me. <laughs> and it's music. You know, I've got to admit it. It it, it has to be the because it's that drug yeah you know how did you how did the one thing I, I, I would find really hard the weird thing is because <clears throat> people always think that Paradise Lost are going to be miserable but yet, yet everyone who meets says we have a right laugh with them so it's um, that every, people are always surprised and I always say well you know, the music is miserable so when when you're away when you're away from from that but plus I mean we love what we do but you you sort of I don't know. The sort of lightest side of your life is, is, is fine because it's, it's it's all part of that. But whenever I've read, um, and you find it a lot with bands who you think are going to be like super evil and so like they're actually usually really lovely people and and, and hilarious as a rule. Um, but when you when you read a lot of autobiographies from comedians, uh, when I've read them, you find out they're actually really miserable. Yes. most of them because having to make people laugh. Um, it's, it's so stressful, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and if, if you bomb it, and plus it's very much a solo thing. Um, yes. it, everything is down to you, and everything is on your shoulders. I, could, I imagine that's really hard. I don't think it's something I could do, really. But, well, uh, but yeah, but I it's... don't know whether I'd be confident enough to. I'd be confident to go up because I actually quite enjoy doing speaking and things like that. But it's it's more the confidence of what people think of what I've. I've done, if you know what I mean. I think, I think, I think my my confidence would be a little um, 
I'm a little fragile that way, I think. I'd be worried about what people thought all the time. Well, it <laughs> to do it. So, so, I mean, big props here for, for doing it because I, I, I find it, it it's quite quite a difficult and lonely thing. Plus, it, it, criticism and praise, it's, it's 100% either way. It's, it's on you. I mean, how do you, how do you get on with that? Well, I, I, firstly, it's like um, having the confidence. It doesn't really. It, it's it, that doesn't. It almost doesn't enter into it. It's about wanting to do it. You have to right. really, really want to do it because to get any good at it, you need to be doing it. You know, for quite some time, and you need to be getting up in front of audiences and basically, you know, not doing very well. Um, and you get better and better like you do in, you know, with any craft. Um, and risk versus reward, you're right, you know. The, 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 the risk is higher because you're out there on your own, but the reward is higher because all of the, um, all of the positive vibes and everything is, is, is all your own, which is great. Mm. Um, and, yeah, when it doesn't go well, it's also down to you I mean you know thankfully these days that's that's few and far between but there's, there's always one gig lurking around the corner to kick you in the face and remind you that um, you don't know everything um, yeah and um, but ultimately it's it, the that, that it's that the rejection it's dealing with rejection you've got to be you've got to be willing to be able to just brush off a show that goes fucking really badly and then do three or four or five or six or ten more like that and just keep going and keep going and holding on to the one laugh in five minutes and then eventually you get two laughs in five minutes and then yeah. and, and you, you know you just you just if you're seeing you know, progress i suppose you can live with it but you, you know what i mean yeah i it, well it, it, that, that's it but also it's 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 it does. It, progress isn't linear. You don't do gig one and you get better and better and better from then on. It's like you yeah. can have 10, 15 shows that go brilliantly and then the 16th show, you absolutely eat your balls. And mm. you're just like, right, uh, fucking hell, I don't know anything, I'm back to square one. And you carry that. You Instead of carrying the 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 15 shows before it, instead of carrying that, that confidence into the 17th show... You do the 16th show, that goes badly, and it removes all of the confidence that you built yeah. up, and you start show 17 back to where you were, back at square yeah. one. And then you have to do all of that again. And then, you know, slowly but surely, it's like everything else, you know? It's a marathon, not a sprint. You just chip away at it, chip away at it, and sooner or later you get to a point where you think, yeah, you know, I'm doing this, or you don't, you know, you or you, you, you quit, you walk away. Because there's this other thing about finding your voice as well. I mean, I, I did it because I, I, I left the stand-up scene for five years because I, I got to a stage where I was doing really well and, you know, I had an agent, I was playing everywhere, but I wouldn't have paid to watch my set. I didn't particularly think my set was very good, but audiences did. And ultimately, that only lasts for a while, because after a while, you're just like, okay, this is great. It, they go, the shows are going really well. But then after a while, you're like, yeah, but I'm I'm kind of not really enjoying doing this material. 
because it's just right. you know it's not it's not for whatever reason I don't feel like I've you know found my voice I'm not saying what I want to say um and at that at that point you either knuckle down and carry on and drive forward or um um or you decide to quit or you decide to have a break and I had a break um and came back and and managed to get all, you know get through all that and get past all of it but um it, it it is lonely without a doubt it is lonely and the benefit of that you know the risk reward the, ri- the the you know the the rewards are greater well when you if you've if you've smashed a comedy gig you've absolutely kicked it in the ass you come off stage big smile on your face you walk into the dressing room and a couple of people will say oh that went really well well done and that's the end of it nobody in the dressing room wants to fucking hear about your show or how well it did they just watched you yeah. comedians either be already been on and it didn't go as well for him so he doesn't want to hear from you or there's a there's a another comedian's going to go on and he or she doesn't want to hear from you because they've got to go on um once it's calmed down and you've made their life a little bit more difficult or whatever you know the mc yeah. he's busy he doesn't want to know and then you might have a few friends or relatives of the comedians who just feel awkward and don't really feel happy talking to you so you literally come off stage absolutely fucking bounding with energy and excitement and adrenaline and you have to kind of bottle it up inside yourself and yeah. you know either either go for a walk and you know go for a walk around you know and maybe end up chatting to an audience member or just go and get a beer or, or just Get in your car and fuck off home and celebrate in the car I on your own. The, uh, I think that's the beautiful thing about being in a band. Yeah, you've all just—it's a shared experience and high. And exactly. Being able to sort of, you know, even if you are sharing a dressing room with other bands, it, you still got—you've got a common feeling there, and I think uh, that's maybe why the music thing is is almost more addictive in a way because it's it's a common. Yeah. But I, I suppose you know everyone. You you you. I don't know. It, somebody else had just felt exactly what you felt, and it's like that's a great feeling. Well, that's that. When I when I when we came back into our first tour, and I walked into the dressing room after the gig, and we're all just talking. 10,000 words a minute about oh what about this what about that and oh wasn't that great and blah, blah. and in that moment I was just like oh fucking hell I've missed this yeah you know I've missed being able to come probably off stage so and share comedy, it comedy. yeah I think that's probably more so because you've been doing the comedy on your own I think you're probably yeah I, 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 you, you're, you're probably right with that because I think it was just it was just kind of it was funny though because funnily enough one of the guys in the band who is um uh who who was around back in the day even played a song with us on the jokes on us tour and um i've stayed in touch with him all these years and paul is you know he's in the band at last after first trying to get into the band about 25 years ago and um funnily enough on stage we when we came off i was like wow you know that's that's like you know first music gig for x amount of years and all the rest of it and paul said he said yeah and between songs you can tell you've been doing stand-up for 25 years as well it's because it's like well no well no it was just it was just like you know to the point and you know self-editing because you do you know you've got to you've got to keep it um you know stand-up you know stand-up is is so edited you can't have any extra words in there you know, you really want to keep things sharp and nimble. Um, 
and um and i guess you know he just kind of noticed that it was it was just like yeah you know i was i was i was funny but keeping it tight as well um yeah. but that you're, you're absolutely right though and i think it's the same with anything isn't it if you think about it anything is is, is better shared than doing it on your own yeah you know i mean even a, golf, even a golfer's got a caddy <laughs> <laughs> That is a, that's a great line, and and do you know what? I'm gonna I, I need to keep you there because that's the end of the main interview. But I've got some fan questions um, for Actually, you. Actually, you know what I, I was going to say is like, were we supposed to be talking about any subject? I never never had the thought to ask. <laughs> no, no, not at all. We've just completely gone. We've gone all around the houses, and um, and to be honest, I'm, I'm probably going to need to get you on again very soon because we've we're like yeah, we've just, we've just talked about everything. But um, I've got some fan questions, so this is the end of the main interview. But Stay there, because okay. I've got some questions directly for you. But for now, thank you very much. Cheers. It's been a pleasure. It's been a good laugh. Thanks, mate. And wasn't that fun? And he proceeded to be just as much fun for another half an hour answering uh, patrons' questions, which they'll be getting as a separate podcast. Remember the support the podcast link in the description of this uh, if you want to get involved with that. Wasn't that fun? I Honestly, it was... It, there is something really unique about back in that time and um the bands that were around the the just i I get it's it's it was just i don't know it was it was a magical time i hate you know i hate the word magical being applied to a period of time it wasn't but it was an awesome time a really really awesome time and i think when you came up through those days you just form a bond with you know with any of the bands that you played with and there is i mean it was just like picking up with an old friend that i'd seen like a couple of days ago um and we we had such a great time and he was so generous with his time um well you know you heard the interview hope you enjoyed it um so what is there left well i'll tell you what there is left there is my top five of the year now I um there some albums didn't make it in that I thought were going to make it in and some albums did make it in that I'm very very surprised and I I'm going to go all out now and I'm going to I'm going with the the one in the top 5 that I can't believe is there and that is um Lamb of God by Lamb of God now Regular listeners will know that I am that I've never been a fan of Lamb of, Lamb of God, and I've never been a fan of um, Randy's vocals. But I've always said, you know, like the man, like his interviews, like his photography, everything else, you know. But just not. There's something about this album that just clicked for me. I just absolutely got it, and I was playing it back to back with another album in the top five, which I'll mention um, during the very first lockdown when we, it was literally like, you know, we were all locked down across the world. And it was, it was just, uh, yeah, I just kept playing it. And whenever I play it, I, uh, I'm just getting more and more out of it. And what, I'm just what a great album. What an absolutely great album. I am so surprised that it is in my top five. I mean, as I wrote it into my top five, it was, I, was, I was almost in denial. I was like, surely there must be other albums that, that, that are in here. No, no, not at all. It is in the top five. Um, so what else is in the top five? Well, probably the most recent of all of the albums 
in my top five is The Hell. Um, uh, Joris, A Hardcore Opera, Part 1. Quite simply put, one of the most entertaining albums I have heard ever. Not just this year, ever. Because it is entertaining. It really is. And honestly, I can say anybody listening to this, anyone listening to this, find it online, you know, YouTube, wherever you want, um, and find it online and play the whole album and you will be amazed at how entertaining it is, how uh, there's there's all sorts of different song structures, different musical styles. It's told brilliantly. It's really, it's well acted. Um, and, and and there is a couple of earworms in there. I couldn't give, I couldn't give a fuck about not samples. Honestly, it is just, uh, it, it contains the best song you will ever hear about working in a DIY store. Um, which I'm sure all of you listening, that sold you, hasn't it? That that has sold you. That's what you've been looking for, for from an album. That's what you've been looking for from an album um, all year. Well, now you find it a, a brilliant song about um, DIY and working in a DIY store. Um, so that is the hell. Joris, a hardcore opera, part one. Now the next three that make up the top five. Um, are just inseparable. I never, I never do like a. This is my album of the year, um, and this year it's probably as a closer year as it's ever been. Um, the first album uh, that blew me away this year, and the, uh, another album that helped get me through lockdown, is Quadra. Quadra by my buddies Sepultura, who I then went on to be able to do a special on the album. That's how much I liked it. Um, so I, I'm, I've had the Seps on the show. Um, I haven't had Lamb of God on the show. I'm gonna. I'm getting the hell on the show. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, I know somebody, a friend of a friend, who knows Haken. So I, I'm hoping to get everybody from from the albums of the year on. But anyway, Quadra. What an album. What a fucking album. Derek Green rules on it at no point are you thinking, oh, I wonder what Max would sound like on this. I've said it before, I'll say it again. For me, that album sits perfectly between Chaos AD and Roots. It is that good. It really is that good. The production is absolutely amazing. The songwriting is different class. The depth involved in the writing. There's stuff going on all over the place. Just a wonderful, wonderful album. Um... And the other album that helped get me through lockdown, so that's Quadra by Sepultura, Lamb of God, Lamb of God. And the other one was, of course, Protest the Hero, Palimpsest. What an album. I mean, Palimpsest and Lamb of God were just on rotation constantly together. Okay, and, and I mean, Quadra was off in its own little world, to be honest. Um, and um, Palimpsest by um, Protest the Hero contains possibly the greatest vocal performance of any metal album um, that came out last year. I mean, phenomenal vocals, but also phenomenal playing. Phenomenal playing. And great songs. Great songs. Great lyrics. Great choruses. Honestly, if you're not into particularly technical music... I would listen to Palimpsest anyway because the the vocals are so incredible that it, they uh, well I've, I've had Rody on the on the show before and he said my job is to make to make what's going on beneath me um, sound normal 
and um and 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 I think that's a brilliant description and he does that job brilliantly um Palimpsest by Protest the Hero makes it into my top 5 albums of 2020 very easily and now the the final because I've done four albums the fifth and final album in my top 5 well it and, and it's not in any particular order um now this has crept up on me a friend recommended it to me and it has crept up on me and crept up on me and crept up on me to this state to to, to the point where i now have the double disc now it's the album virus by haken unfortunately named given our times but there you go or was it a bit of foresight now when i say i've got the double disc the second disc is the whole album with no vocals it's just uh, it, you know it's just instrumental and and i've i've laughed and poo pooed the idea before and thought god that's ridiculous i tell you what when i saw the double disc i thought you know what? i'm going to get that on cd and i saw the double disc and i just thought that makes total sense yeah and i have to say the album is an absolute work of genius the production is mind-blowing it is absolutely so fucking perb i cannot stress enough how good this album is but the weird thing is i've played that second disc two or three times now without any vocals on and i won't say it's just as enjoyable well it is it's just as enjoyable but in a different way because obviously you're not focusing on on vocals and you know we're all yes i'm a vocalist but we're all we all tend to listen to the vocals more than anything else of course when there's no vocals you or you know you've got no option but to focus on the music and fucking hell it is just amazing. It's such a good album. It needs that second disc so you can fully digest the music and then go back and fully digest it with vocals. It is, it is a, again, I would say all, all five of these albums are works of genius. Uh, and and I, I know that sounds um, overstated, uh, I, but I genuinely, genuinely think I will be playing these five albums in 10, 20 years' time, without a doubt. They are that good. They are that fucking good. Congratulations and thank you to Sepultura, to um, Protest the Hero, Lamb of God, Haken and The Hell for making life that little bit easier during lockdown and during the last 12 months because it ain't been easy for any of us. But it, it's, you know, those albums have made a big difference. Um, now, some albums that are worth mentioning that didn't get into the top five um killer be killed reluctant hero um it's it, it's good it's good but it's not right no it's good but it's not getting it's not getting in the top five um also the um the devil driver album um the 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 name of which i cannot remember for some reason oh there we go um ah, dealing with demons um again it, it, good enjoyable solid um and uh deftones as well um ohms or ohms depending on how you want to pronounce it well it's probably ohms really isn't it um again it, it, it's good but the thing with the thing with deftones and the thing with um uh devil driver is um i see them in my player and go oh yeah i've got that they they they're not demanding to be played again whereas quadra palimpsest lamb of god virus and joris i can't I, I if i see them i go i've got to play i've got to play that i got to play it and i've got to play the whole album and all five of those 
mean I've got to play the whole album. Um, another really, really worth. Sorry, I do apologise. Um, uh, another really, really um, great album that is worth mentioning and was very close to the top five is Heathen, um, Empire of the Blind. What, what an album! Um, and I'm not just saying that because um, I had Craig on the show and he was um, such a great guy. Um, it's it's just yeah, it's it's. It's a, it is a great album. It is a great, great album. I, and I've got to be honest, it's way better than it has any right to be. It's way better than I, I you know, I, I thought, oh yeah, New Heathen, I'll give that a whirl. And um, it really took me aback. It really took me aback. Um, and, I, you know, again, I would say anybody out there um, who hasn't heard it, for God's sake, give it a listen. Um, and, and and just a final mention for possibly the 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 best EP of the year, um, which was um, a Wisp of the Atlantic by Soilwork, which opens with a very brave sixteen and a half minute track. Um, and I mean, you know, they deserve a shout out just for having the balls to do that. But it is a it's it's a it is a it's an amazing song. It's a great EP. And I really would recommend anyone having a little listen. It's definitely, definitely worth it. Now, um, before I go, given it's New Year and we all do New Year's resolutions and all the rest of it, well, I'm, I'm not doing a New Year's resolution, but I am going to do an advert. Now, before you think, what the fuck, Howard? I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm, I'm doing it because... I want to share something with you. Um, basically, I, I've smoked weed, um, you know, traditional spliffs, you know, weed mixed with tobacco for many, many years. And obviously, I, I want to get rid of the tobacco, you know? I want to get rid of the bit that's, you know, like likely to kill me. The bit that's legal. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, uh, it's always a bit of a... It, it's always a strain. I don't like pipes. And, and, and how do you do that? And... Um, uh, one of my mates was crewing for us um, on the four dates we've been able to do for the Age of Entitlement so far. And um, he let me have a go on his Dynavap. Now that is D-Y-N-A-V-A-P. Dynavap. Now it's about 75 quid, okay? They're not cheap, but they're made of stainless steel. You'll only ever need one. And it, it, it looks kind of like a, a a small sort of... Um, pen almost it's made of stainless steel and it's a vaporizer and it's incredible the design the way it works it's small light well as light as something that's going to be made of fucking stainless steel but it's it's it for me it's made a massive difference and it has really really helped um so just bear with me because i want to i want to i can't remember where uh, well I, i know who bought it i just didn't do me fucking thinking, did I? And I haven't got the uh, the web address to answer. Hang on. Okay, well, it's very simple. If you're outside of the UK and Europe, it's dynavap.com. D-Y-N-A-V-A-P.com. Now, I, what I am going to do is put links to these sites in the description of the podcast, so you will be able to click on them and go straight there. Now, if you are in the UK or Europe, um, the website you're looking for is... Um, Herbalize Store. That's Herbal, H-E-R-B-A-L... I Z E store E S T O R E dot co dot UK. Now I will that is that's um let's let me just get that again. That is 
Herbalize e-store or Herbalize store. Um, and again, these links will be in the description to the podcast. It's an incredible invention, the Dynavap. Absolutely amazing to use, easy to clean, really, really helped me. And I just thought I, I wanted to share it with you in case any of you are trying to give up tobacco but still want to smoke weed. Um, it is the best way of doing it that I have found. So there you go. That's uh, it's. Oh shit! I suppose it's a New Year's resolution, really, isn't it? I mean, I don't do them, but you you can you can call me on that if you want. I'm not going to object. <laughs> but uh, anyway, look. As always, it's been a pleasure having a chat with you. Um, welcome to 2021. Lots of guests lined up. Lots of really cool interviews to come. Uh, lots of stuff happening on Patreon. If you wanna if you wanna join me. Um, I'm looking forward to the year and I am going to be putting out as much content as possible for you all and and for me let's let's you know because I, I do enjoy doing this so let, 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 I'm not going to get it twisted I'm not doing this for everybody listening I'm doing it for me motherfucker but um, but all the same it wouldn't be the same without you would it it'd just be me sat in my lounge um talking to nobody really so there you go thank you very much for listening as always, um, please do support the podcast, share it. You are the best way of me getting this podcast out there and getting it bigger. Please do share wherever you can. Follow on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That all helps as well. It really does. But until we speak again, thank you very much for listening. hope 2021 has started well for you and I will see you again soon. Well, I won't see you again soon, will I? I will speak to you soon.